Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Voluntary View. Today, we've got a very special guest. We've got Mike, Mike Nimitz. Saying that right? That's it. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Mike is involved with Agorapolco, which is, well, I'll let you tell us about what is Agorapolco, Mike? All right. Well, you know, I it all kind of st- I'm, I live in Acapulco and I've lived in Acapulco since 2015, which was a particularly interesting year because that was the first year that they had something called Anarchapulco. Uh, and that was uh, Jeff Berwick was the guy that uh, kind of initiated that. But we had a, you know, a kind of a hearty crew of, of uh, anarchists, AMCAPs, voluntarists, that kind of a, a crew of people that uh, came down and, uh, you know, I think it was somewhere in the range of about 150 to 200 people. But we had some notable people, you know, uh, James Corbett was one of the, the people that were down here, uh, Benny Wills, uh, you know, obviously Jeff has his uh, stuff. And we had, some, you know, a lot of the crypto kind of people. But uh, in, uh, you know, I had been looking for a place to live. I had been living in the United States in Florida, in uh, the panhandle of Florida, uh, Pensacola, for a few, for uh, about 10 years. And, uh, you know, essentially, uh, you know, got there from Indiana because I was tired of, you know, the, the baloney that was going on there. And I kind of looked for the place that treated you best within the United States. And so that was Florida. But um, in any case, uh, that wasn't good enough. And so I had been traveling around the world. I'd gone to pretty much, uh, you know, a lot of different places with the idea of looking for some place that was free, you know, and had a freedom minded community and kind of culture. And uh, that took me a lot of different places, but I I wasn't able to find it. So uh, in Acapulco in 2015 was that first really uh, kind of circumstance since probably like the Ron Paul revolution of like 2008, 2007, there was a lot of uh, open-minded people hanging around back then <laughs> together. But uh, in any case, 2015, we got here and we just decided to stay after. And then it just, it went from, you know, we're going to stay a couple weeks to a couple months to a couple years. And then, you know, here it is. It's a little, it's about seven years now that I've been down here. And, uh, uh, you know, Anarchapoco is kind of going through its own thing because it's, it's grown into a, a big deal. And so there's always a kind of a opportunity to kind of fill the niche of that kind of original crew of people that were more and kind of this kind of the, the hippie vibe kind of people out there that are, you know, not necessarily tied to too many things that they don't really want to spend too much money, you know. And so, uh, you know, we, we created something called Agora Poco and it, it went through a couple of different iterations over the past few years. But the idea was it's a it's a grassroots kind of community learning event, you know, and we try and just, uh, you know, kind of hold a calendar for people to do different things while they're down here in Acapulco. And, you know, there's and Acapulco goes on for five days, but there's always a lot of, you know, there's a lot of time to uh, to get together with other people. And, uh, you know, I've always been involved with Anarchapoco, and certainly the, the one thing that uh, I've got from that experience and what a, a ton of people have told me about what they like the most about, you know, coming down to Acapulco and going to Anarchapoco was the connection with like-minded people, 
And so that's what we really try and focus on with Agorapoco is just, you know, putting people into situations where they can make the connections and get to know the people they're sitting next to <clears throat> and, and really, uh, you know, see like where those ideas are, what, what kind of ideas they have and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so specifically this year, I'm doing something I call Respirar Acapulco, which is uh, just a two-day event on the 12th and the 13th of February. And uh, I guess you could call it kind of a peace conference, a peace and learning conference focused on common sense and, uh, you know, collaboration. And the idea is to, uh, is, is to really kind of showcase that, uh, you know, the average person has a lot of abilities and they're just not always recognized and you know the anarchapoco brings like the star powered people the people that everybody wants to sit and listen to but uh for for agorapoco and for uh respirar acapoco what we want to do is just kind of give people that chance to like blossom themselves you know and you know and that's one of the things about learning is uh, you know, you can, you can sit in a conference room and you can listen to somebody else and you're probably going to get about 5% of the message, you know, but if you're participating, if you're like interacting with others, if you're actually teaching other people, you're learning at a pace that's, you know, like 12, 15 times that kind of capacity. And so uh, that's, that's kind of the thing that I, I want to encourage. And so that's, uh, that's what we're doing. Mm, it sounds like something that's very much needed, especially after the past couple of years, people have been shut down and forced to rely on the government. So, yeah, that, uh, it no, seems there's, like there's, there's a there's a great deal of resources here in this community too. You know, because we've got a lot of people. We're certainly getting a lot of people from Australia these days that are relocating. Well, that's to good. But uh, but we've got a a wide variety of people, and certainly like. Bob Podowski is one of those people. He's written uh, quite a few a number of books, but most famous for uh, a book called Soul Bonding and another book. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, it? It escapes me at the moment, but it's about the idea of the octologue and, you know, like a uh, small horizontal group organization. Mm. And uh, he kind of takes the the Deming approach to like ethical business and ethical structures of doing business mm. and uh, how that all works. And Bob is down here, you know, and, and actually I was just helping him with a course uh, that he's doing now called uh, Harmony Enhancement, which is an excellent thing for groups of people and people that are getting together, families and all those kind of things where they're encountering, you know, conflict or, or what Bob calls disharmony. You know, we've, we've been trained or society and kind of the media and everybody has trained us to do, to expect disharmony. And mm. the reality is, is that, uh, you know, the true nature of nature and ourselves is, is harmony. And uh, it's kind of proven if you look into kind of the native American and you know some of the ancient uh, civilizations and cultures that uh you know we can exist in harmony and it's and uh you know it's it's a much different animal than what we've been uh exposed to and I, I think well i'll just say that that's kind of the that's kind of the delineation between the scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset and essentially you know being a slave or being a sovereign entrepreneur is mm -hmm. that uh you know that deline delineation between uh, uh <clears throat> Kind of a conflict versus cooperation type of thing, or 
Well, yeah, the, that, that expectation of disharmony and mm. the expectation of distrust versus the expectation of harmony and trust. And, mm. and, and that, those are the things that lead to abundance. Mm. It's def- it sounds like you'd definitely be happier, too, with the, the expectation that people are basically good instead of that everyone's a rat and you can't trust anybody. doesn't sound like any, any good way to live. Mm. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I think it was, at least it should be, there should be a choice. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking of, of good ways to live, it, it sounds like you went to Acapulco for the Anarcopulco, and then you just stayed there and didn't come back. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And we were, we were kind of on a uh, kind of a, you know, we were expecting to go on, a, it was my girlfriend and I, and we were expecting to kind of go on a tour of, you know, pretty much Latin America, uh, because I had, we had tried to go into Canada uh, the year before and gotten thrown out of Canada, Canada kind of abruptly. And, uh, uh, you know, that was just an experience that uh, for my girlfriend, she was not an anarchist. She was not a voluntarist at that time. But going through that experience, she was like, whoa, I can't believe this is the way things are, you know, and uh, and, and that that really did you know, make a, a big change for her. And, and then uh, coming sometimes. down here for an anarchist convention was, was something that she was willing to, to try because prior to that, she was like, no, nah, I'm not going to Mexico. There's just no way. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes it takes that, that kind of shock to wake people up and make them realize. I understand. So how, how was it then going from living in the U S to living down in Mexico? Is that a big change? A lot of different things to get used to. Well, I mean, the, the beautiful thing is it's a lot less expensive, you know, so you can cut your expenses tremendously and, uh, and get along quite nicely. You know, the, the quality of life, if you kind of let go of some of the kind of American standards of what things you need, uh, you can uh, really, really pare down uh, what you need, you know, as far as a cost of living. And, uh, you know, Acapulco is super abundant. There's just so many things as far as, uh, you know, like tropical fruits and vegetables and stuff like that, that just kind of grow here, uh, you know, just out of the blue kind of thing. And so you end up with a circumstance where there's just, there's no end to the food supply here, you know? Wow. And, and for the most part, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, most people are unfamiliar with is that there's like 300,000 edible species of plant for example that uh is out there on on the planet as we know it today and uh for the most part only about 30 or 40 have been commercialized you know because they're transportable Mm -hmm. and so when you like throw out the transportable thing then you get this whole new group of 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 food to to uh draw from And, and that's that's another thing that makes acapulco really you know, fun and exciting is like, there's always this discovery of neat new things and, and certainly foods and taste. I, I have, uh, I just got a ton of stories of, uh, you know, like new fruits, especially fruits down here mm-hmm. that look pretty scary, but then you try them and you're like, holy cow, this is like, you know, <laughs> this is like a, a candy. It's so good, you know? That's neat. I've, I've seen some of those, like using internet search for weird fruits and like they're covered with spikes and things like yeah. that, but I've never gotten to yeah. try them before. So that's really neat. Yeah, so there's, there's some great ones. So is, is Acapulco, 
I don't know much about it. Is it like a travel hub, a lot of people coming and going, or is it a pretty peaceful, stable community? Well, Acapulco has been kind of a, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of been the, uh, the, at the wrong end of the stick as far as a uh, economic warfare within Mexico and kind of the tourist industry in Mexico. And so, uh, you know, the World Bank was behind kind of the investments of like Cancun and Puerto Vallarta many years ago. And so those those cities and those resort towns kind of sprang up uh, on land that was basically, you know, bought by the by the World Bank. <clears throat> and so to get people to go there, they had to chase them out of uh, Acapulco. And so for the, you know, probably the past 30 or 40 years, they've kind of created every excuse that they possibly can to, you know, to steer people away from Acapulco. And so the, you know, what used to be a, you know, like the premier world city uh, for, you know, stars and celebrities and political figures and everything else, you know, 40, 50 years ago, just like disappeared off the map. And, you know, but, uh, but it's, you know, with, even with that kind of a situation, the people haven't, haven't given up, you know, and it's certainly this COVID thing, you know, they, they really tried to squeeze the people and put them, you know, pressure them by by really wrecking the economy uh, what was left of the economy with the uh, you know the tourist industry and kind of sh- just basically shutting it down at, at the you know the main points of the of you know the times when uh, Acapulco derives most of their income and they still and these people are so resilient and so collaborative that it didn't matter, man. People are still happy. People are just, you know, because they got more time, they're spending more time with their family. They're going to the beach more, you know, but you know, they, they don't have the same kind of situation that most people have in the world. They, they have a place to live. They have plenty of food. They really don't have to worry about a, a lot of the things that most people have to worry about because, you know, because they have been in a situation where like money has not been easy to come by. They've just, went on about their life in different ways, you know, and so they do a lot of things quite a bit differently, but it's a great place to be a voluntarist and and anarchist because they don't really respect any of what most people consider the authority. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like they're a lot less dependent on the systems that are in place, but more self-reliant. And that's good because up here in the U.S., we're looking at a lot of empty bare shelves at grocery stores and in winter you can't grow your own food in most of the united states at all but especially in winter yeah well i mean this is one of the things about uh a a, you know a culture that has common sense is kind of a centerpiece they as soon as like the covid crisis started and the economy started tanking you know for for these people most of them went and got chickens and just started having chickens and eggs and stuff like that. And, and then going out and rooting out in the forest and stuff and looking for exotic fruits and stuff and bringing them to the marketplace. And man, I'm telling you the, you know, Walmart here in town, we've got, we've got a couple of Walmarts here in town. They were basically empty. They were shunning people because, you know, you, Hey, if you don't wear a mask, you can't come in. We only got one person limit and all these other baloney things. But you go down to the central marketplace, they didn't care if you didn't have any masks, they didn't care if you were standing next to each other. And man, that place was booming. Oh, that sounds fantastic. All kind of, all, I mean, everything was was going in the opposite direction. And 
you know, that's the thing that's also really neat about Acapulco is uh, that there's like a barrier to inflation. Like if the, if the, you know, if the, the, you know, the Walmarts and the, the big multinational grocery stores try and raise their prices, they got to compete with the locals and the locals basically have an unending abundance of food supply. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so they just, they can't do it, you know? Yeah, that is nice. So yeah, most of uh, the restrictions, I'm curious, were they like being imposed by the government? What is the government presence like there in Acapulco? Well, you know, it, for, for Westerners, it, it, it looks like it's a, you know, it's a, a banana republic kind of situation, you know, where you've got soldiers in the streets and stuff like that. But if you actually like look beyond what looks like the show, and that's what I would call it because it is, it's just a show going on is there's, there's, there is nobody in charge. You know, there's a kind of a balance of power between, you know, what some people call cartels, uh, but you could also call them, uh, you know, other kinds of groups that you could call them almost mutual aid groups uh, in, in some cases. Uh, but yeah, they are really, they are cartels, but they're cartels that are like community cartels that like look out for their community, you know? And, and so uh, it's kind of an interesting balance because you do have government figures. You got, you know, you got a mayor, you got a police chief, you got those, and then you've got the military president, you've got uh, Mexican Marines, you've got Mexican army units here, you've got state police units here, you've got uh, federales, which are, you know, federal police, uh, you've got a bunch of different things, but they're actually kind of watching each other, you know, they're scared of each other, because each each one is a particular faction, and and even in those situations, there's a lot of compromised uh, you know, people within, in the thing. Hmm. And so, uh, it leads to everybody kind of being very uneasy, you know, even the, the powerful people. And, and that's really actually, you know, it, it kind of, it probably sounds like the wild west, but that's really, hmm. that's true. I was, I was thinking what makes the, the state, the state is that monopoly on the use of violence. And it sounds like they don't quite have that monopoly there, that there are other groups that are almost, if not as powerful, and it just yeah. maintains kind of a yeah. perhaps yeah, precarious and, balance. But And there is a, I mean, you know, Mexico as a government is a failed state. There's just no two ways about it. And that's, that's why Mexico is the best place to go. And, and it's the most open country in the world right now is because the government just cannot enforce the law or whatever they try and make the law, you know, so they, they've, They've, they've got this real, real uh, tight balancing act that they've got to play where they, they look like they're doing what the other governments are doing, but at the same time, they know, like, they can't go too far, you know, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, that's, you know, you see the president of Mexico, he gets out there and he sounds like he's almost like a freedom fighter, you know, he's like, ah, screw the COVID, I don't care, I'm not wearing a mask, and then, and then, you know, next thing you know, he takes a shot, and, and and so he's like playing both sides of the, the, uh, you know, the terrain there, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he is, he is a puppet, there's no doubt he's a puppet of the U.S. government, so whatever the U.S. government tells him to do, he's got to do it, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but he still doesn't, uh, you know, he's, he is very careful about what he says to the Mexican people, because for the most part, they know that, you know, 
the Mexican government is like an occupying army and, mm. and they don't, you know, they don't, uh, they don't trust them. Mm. It's an interesting way to think about it. <laughs> but then the, the other thing is, is that you've got this great grapevine kind of uh, existence because family is like the number one authority in, in uh, Acapulco and, and for the most part, the rest of Mexico, I would say that like the bigger cities like Mexico City, for example, uh, you know, has adopted a much more American like city atmosphere where they have a much greater respect for local police and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, you know, the rest of Mexico, uh, you know, their, their family is number one, you know, and, and so like if 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 there's a choice between the family and the government, it's the family. And there's just no two ways about it. <clears throat> and, and so then that provides like this great network, you know, grapevine network where, uh, you know, a great deal of information and kind of connections goes back and forth. So like a, you know, like a, if the government ordered a military unit to attack, you know, something, uh, more than likely, if somebody that they're trying to attack is a family member <laughs> of, you know, then then more than likely that attack is going to be delayed or you know readjusted or you know whatever but you know the whole thing is is just going to be a you know almost a show and and not really actually you know enforced hmm. the less of that uh less of the government versus the people because the people are so tightly knit it sounds like yes that it's difficult to break into that with the force yeah. of the state. Huh. Yeah. Sounds like yeah. a perfect place to have a community of agorists and anarchists. Well, and the, you know, and that's another thing that like, they don't have the rot of like a welfare system, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, they, they do have like a minuscule welfare system, but it's, uh, you know, it, like people have to work to make a living to, to survive. And, and so that does make a big difference in people's ability to, you know, think and and you know have common sense and, and certainly be entrepreneurial that, that's definitely another thing about this culture is they're they're just ingrained with entrepreneur you know absolutely it sounds like it i mean just from what you were saying if if the prices go up or if you can't get food well, you go find it and if you have extra you go take it to the market and sell it to someone else if yeah. not thinking what how who's going to take care of me now that this is happening but yeah, yeah. And, it done. and if you look at uh, Acapulco, as far as its location, it's really the center of North and South America, or, you know, it's within that region, but it, it functioned as the West coast port of the entire North and South continent. <clears throat> and so to some degree, it is like the meeting place and the marketplace for, you know, for both continents. Because, you know, like if you're, if you've got, if you're up in Alaska or something like that, and you want to, you know, you want to sell your stuff to the, the most amount of people, well, you know, take a halfway to the center, to the marketplace, you know? And so in a lot of ways, Acapulco has functioned in that fashion. And I don't know how long, I mean, because they've destroyed a lot of the history here in Acapulco and, and, you know, most of Latin America. So to a large extent, we don't really know what actually has happened here, but, um, you know, what you can glean and what you can see and kind of the people and their, in their culture and stuff like that, uh, and, and just how they behave. Uh, there's a, there's a great deal of, of indication that this, 
this was the marketplace for you know the entire uh, you know Western Hemisphere. Really neat, and it makes sense being so centrally located. And is is it right next to any big rivers or the coast? Or there's a couple rivers here, and certainly there's a you know access to the the, the central plain, which is you know where Mexico City is. Mm. Okay. So that was you know when the Spanish came, uh, they, they pretty much everything that they got from the Pacific and the Far East came through Acapulco, and then went to went across land to Veracruz, and then and then to uh, to Spain. <clears throat> hmm. Nice. So how you as an immigrant from the United States, how are you treated by the local Mexican folks? Are they friendly or kind of? Suspicious? Yeah, they're, they're incredibly friendly and kind. <laughs> and certainly if you look, you know, I, because that's one of the things that's, it's just kind of, you know, the, the circumstance, but you know, when, uh, when Acapulco had all the celebrities and stuff like that, this place was just like the streets were paved with gold. And then, you know, going through 30 or 40 years of economic downturn, uh, you know, a lot of the well-to-do people moved on. But for the most part, this place is just so beautiful and, and so connected to nature. It's people have a hard time like selling out and leaving, you know, so they just kind of kept their place. And then maybe they moved to Mexico City, but then they come back for two or three months a year or whatever, you know, <clears throat> And so um, it's it, it's just got a, a a much different attitude. But then then you know talking about kind of like the way that uh, you know people have like suffered along through economic downturn, they've turned to collaboration and, and working with each other. You know, in a lot of cases, that's that's the best thing that you can do. You know, if you got some hardship and you work together, it doesn't it just doesn't get any better than that. You know, like if you look back in your life and you look at the times when you had challenges and you had other people around you to help you with those challenges, those were those were some of the best times, you know, and that's that's kind of the thing that uh, Acapulco has. And, and then, you know, as far as how they treat expats, because of the economic downturn, a lot of the uh tourists that they get are from Mexico City and they, they really haven't had a great uh you know that doesn't hasn't really had a great reputation they, they figure that like a westerner that comes down to Acapulco spends about a thousand dollars if they're here for like a week whereas if a, a Mexico City resident comes down here that's probably like a hundred bucks that they're going to spend you know and so uh they, and then they throw, you know, they're, they throw trash around and they, you know, they're kind of unruly. They get a little too drunk and stuff like that. And so the locals, they kind of, they don't even really like the, the, their main client these days, but when they see a Westerner, they're like, Oh, come on, come on. You know, and they do everything they can to, uh, you know, solve whatever problem you got. And, and that's another beautiful thing is that, you know, they're willing to listen and they're they're willing to like you know hey do you need this taken care of you need that taken care of you know they'll they'll figure out a way to take care of that stuff but then that that also kind of uh amplifies that that you know that grapevine network because everybody is kind of paid on commission so like instead of like uh you know like what you would typical see in a city you know like you got internet you know you know uh menu of services here it's hard to find that, you know, like you can't always find what you're looking for in Acapulco on the internet. You just got to ask people and, and, you know, then they, they kind of tell their friend and their friend and so forth. And then they get a commission from, from doing that. But that 
you know, that keeps it out of the hands of the, of the government, you know? Exactly. And so again, they, they, they have a really, uh, you know, it's a real savviness that, uh, I don't, I don't think most Westerners really notice, but, uh, it's, it it's like kind a, of like a, a disobedient servant in a way, you know, when it comes to how they deal with the government and, and they just like, yeah, okay. They, you know, they agree with whatever the government says, but then they just kind of, yeah, you know, they do, do their work real slow and, you know, the government finally just says, ah, to hell yeah. with it. You know, I got other things I could be doing. I see. I see. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a rather interesting strategy, but I, I, I do enjoy it. And I, I love uh, walking around here and just talking to people because it's, it's always an interesting conversation. Cause it's like, if you ask them, you know, what do you think about the government? <laughs> the government, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to uh, <laughs> curse, but that's, that's the, the sentiment that they have. And I'm like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like uh, multiple ways it's a good place to have the anarchopolco and agropolco happen <laughs> yeah and it sounds like they the locals would be interested in it too because i bet they get a lot of a lot of business from folks showing up which is oh fun. absolutely and and that's kind of one of the things that really makes you know the the situation that we have with anarchopolco and agoropolco and the anarchist and voluntarist is is you can go to a place and you can influence an economy in a in a really big way and you know gain those people's loyalty like nowhere nowhere else you know and so that's 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 certainly why i advocate for acapulco and why i you know try and direct people as far as investment property is concerned this this is the place because it it has so many advantages and it's been you know, it's already been through the ringer, like, you know, what, what everybody else is experiencing, you know, this year or last year, well, they've been doing that for 40 years. So they're pretty good at it, you know, at this point. And so that's, you know, those are the people that are going to lead us out the other end. It's mm, a good way of looking at it. So now speaking of leading the, the anarcho-polco, is it, how would you describe it? Is it like a retreat or a conference or an expo? What, what yeah. type of thing is it? Yeah, Anarchapoco is a uh, is a conference, okay. um, and but it, it it does have you know so like you've got like your typical conference where you got people speaking you know from I don't know if it's nine thirty or ten o'clock in the morning until probably five or six p.m. at night, and then they usually have some kind of evening event of some sort. Uh, sometimes the, those are extras. Uh, more more than likely, I mean, these last few years, you know, Anarchapoco has been one that it's it's kind of looked for a particular market, and uh, you know that that continues to kind of go up in price. And so, uh, like this year, the tickets are I think twelve hundred and fifty dollars, you know, for the five day event. And I think they you know they give you food and all that other stuff, so they give you a, a lot of things to include with that. But, you know, why they do that is because then they bring in the, kind of the big names too. you know, they can they can pay for the, the speaker fees of some of the larger the larger mm, people. I see. And that, you know, those are the, those are the people that people want to hear, you know, so, uh, you know, I, and I, you know, I, I think it's it's great. I mean, I've I've participated in it every year. I, I led the volunteers for a couple of years. Uh, I've always kind of been in the background, you know, trying to make sure everything works properly and we get things off it was really kind of a slap together 
kind of weekend thing the first year we you know we did it everybody was just we kind of got here and it was like who's gonna do this i don't know who is gonna do that all right well i guess it's gonna be me you know (laughs) and uh, that's kind of how it really got started but then uh you know it has grown into something that you know there's uh i think 2019 we had you know 25 2800 people here Mm, and uh you know it's it's a pretty at that point it's pretty big now of course since then you know we've had the covid thing and i think last year it was probably i don't know three or four hundred people here but you know with all the travel restrictions Mm. well with you know and they did they did give a online uh uh you know option so people can Hmm. they can choose that as well and that's certain one things and i i do have a uh a coupon code for anybody if they want to if they want to buy uh uh, online ticket or if they want to come down and mm-hmm. buy the ticket i can get them 10 percent off for that if they want to do that I'll, I'll provide you that code nice thank you i'll get that in the description for sure so how for this year expecting more people than the three or four hundred or keeping it about the same i'm thinking it's probably going to be in the 500 to a thousand range a little more uh, yeah. it, it does seem like there's a lot of people that are uh you know kind of thinking about is uh you know, what is going to happen in the United States? Is it going to look like the USSR in a couple of years or is it going to look something, you know, is it going to go the other way? I, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, that's why I, I left the United States in 2015 and, you know, I was ready to go in 2014. And in fact, I, you know, I went to Australia and New Zealand, I think in 2008 or 2009, <clears throat> because I was looking for a place that, to, you know, because I, I just didn't like the way things were, you know, the direction they were headed right uh, glad you didn't stop in australia <laughs> <laughs> well i i kind of recognized that there was a similar you know the government was in a similar state to what the mm. united states was like yeah. and uh you know so i i uh you know i had to keep looking mm-hmm. but uh I, I do feel like there is there is a, a choice to be made you know and i certainly want to provide an option for people i i think you know, Acapulco is, is the place that I know mm-hmm. and the place that I think is, is the best. I spent a lot of time looking for the best place and I think this is it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for people that are interested in that kind of thing and, you know, maybe they just want to sit out for the next few years and just sit on the sidelines and take a vacation and kind of relax and get into like a you know natural environment where nobody's going to be hassling you. Uh, if they just want to do that or if they want to just do that six months a year or three months a year or whatever just to recharge themselves from the craziness that's going on in the rest of the world. Mm. That option is certainly available. And, and, you know, that's one of the things that's here. Now what I'm curious, what kind of resources money-wise would a person need to be able to do that? Like buy a place or rent a place for a few months down in Acapulco? Well, you know, my recommendation is you come down and check it out, but uh, you can live, really really cheaply i've seen people live on less than a hundred dollars a month here and uh and not you know not starve to death not you know not uh, like live on the street on on a cardboard box or something like that actually in a place (laughs) where there's a roof and they got running water and electricity so not not like a not a reed hut type of thing with a thatched roof but okay yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you can go that cheap. Now, I'm not saying that's a that's a great situation. I I, I live in a circumstance that I, I you could definitely do for like 500 bucks a month, and and you know have full blown internet and uh, you know electricity and 
I, I don't actually use air conditioning. You know, I just got a fan. Uh, I, I love the environment as far as that is concerned. You know, I don't like going back and forth between air conditioning and so forth. But for those people that can do that, that's probably going to tack up the price just a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, then if you really want to live like, you know, like what a, you know, a celebrity might want to live like, you could probably do that for $2,500 a month. So that's pretty good. So maybe like five or 6,000, you could come down and live high on the horse for maybe two or three months. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And it sounds like the Agropolco and Arcapulco would be a great place to start at least to get used to the place. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a established community of people. It's, it's kind of gone through its iterations and that's kind of one of the other things that, uh, you know, we've spent some time learning is, is how to build community. You know, we've had a lot of misfires when it comes to, you know, what can go wrong in community and learning from those things, uh, you know, is, is certainly important and, uh, you know, not making those mistakes can make a big difference, you know, as far as, uh, quality of life, because that's definitely what, what I'm after is always, uh, you know, quality mm-hmm. of life getting yeah. the most value and uh we've got that covered too nice it's interesting how i mean once upon a time those skills must have just been what what people had and how people lived all the time but people have become so dependent on the government to do those kinds of things that they have they have no idea how to do it themselves unless they go through those bumps and that learning process to build their own yeah. communities well, you know, the small town community environment that existed, say, you know, prior to like 1950 or, you know, the 1950s in the, in the United States, people had a kind of an interdependence and kind of understood how that worked from that small town experience. But, you know, over that 50 years, uh, you know, those small towns of, you know, the, the people have left for the big cities and the suburbs and, uh, you know, in a lot of the family connections have been disconnected i i know my my family in particular my father when he was a kid they would get together every sunday the entire family there was like you know 50 60 people family reunion every sunday and you know they were all kind of farmers and and uh you know small business people and they pretty much you know ran the town and that was because they you know they were together and they worked together and they helped each other out they shared resources to make sure that everybody succeeded and you know two generations later we got the the family is you know scattered all over the planet and and, you know we we don't really connect with each other very often we don't really have any collaboration yeah even even with modern technology i mean we're thousands of miles apart we're talking right now but it's hard to have that that level of cooperation even if you can communicate it's hard to cooperate especially in the same physical way over the internet or over a telephone yeah yeah and i think the you know the media and the the movies and stuff like that they've they've done a pretty good job of propagandizing you know the the past and really kind of making people uh resentful of the past and resentful of a lot of the the traditions of the past, uh, you know, they demonized a lot of that stuff. And a lot of that stuff also had valuable stuff, you know, that, that related to those things. And, and, uh, you know, people just did not remember what they lost, you know, as yeah. they moved from where they were to some new place, they yeah, you know, just kind of got 
the past is bad, all that old stuff. We've got modern stuff, so it's good. It's scientific or right. you know, whatever. But the wisdom went out with all some of the stuff that wasn't so great about the past. But like you said, a lot of stuff was great. The old time folk wisdom and good old down to earth common sense. A lot of it's gone nowadays. Yeah, definitely. But it sounds like one point of the Agora Polco and an arc. It's a lot of apolcos to say right after another. <laughs> it sounds like Sorry. one point of it might be to try to get people together and even over long distances establish that community and get some of that thinking going again. Would that be fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I've got thousands of contacts from people that I've met here in Acapulco that you know they don't live here, but they were here for a week or they were here for a month or they were here for three months and we got to know each other. And, uh, you know, I typically over the past six years, I've, I've thrown the big party for the Anarchapoco, uh, the big unofficial party up until last year, which I did the official party for last year. But uh, typically, uh, I've done the unofficial party. And, uh, you know, we, we had three, 400 people in my house at the same time. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just magic because a lot of these people did never had that circumstance where like everywhere they looked were people that thought similar to the way they did, you know? And so people were just having conversations like crazy and, you know, kind of my role as the, as the host was just to, I, I would introduce myself to each person and, uh, you know, kind of get an idea of who they are, where they're coming from, what kind of things are they're interested in. And I'd say, Hey, I, I know somebody that, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that. I, I know somebody, let me introduce them to you, you know, and then I'd introduce them. And, and then you just, people would be chattering and chattering and chattering. And, and I, uh, you know, typically I have like a, we have some entertainment and stuff like that. And I try and get everybody to quiet down and it's just impossible. It's just impossible to get people to stop talking, you know, because they're so enthralled by this, this experience, uh, you know, that sounds and so, cool. You know, at the end of the night, and typically that can go to five or six in the morning, uh, you know, I, I ask people as they're leaving, you know, uh, how was the evening and stuff? And, and it's pretty much across the board. They're just like, oh, man, it, it was so good, you know. And so that that has led to a lot of con a lot of contacts. <laughs> nice. Well, that sounds fantastic. I mean, it's, it's hard to find people who you can really connect with on that level. I mean, even. Yeah. It's just hard. I, I work in a hospital and mm. I think the government has had so much control over health that trying to find people who believe in at least openly question what the government is doing is very difficult. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So that sounds great yeah. being able to find people who think in similar ways. Well, you know, that's that's another benefit of, of Mexico. I mean, Acapulco has got it as well, but alternative medicine and really kind of a focus on, you know, the real rational science of health uh, is, is something that uh, I, I think is a, is a, you know, a big uh, sector of the, of the future of business, you know, is, is kind of recouping people's health from all this baloney that uh, has gone on, you know, whether you're a vaxxer or anti-vaxxer, there's a whole bunch of things that you're adding to your body that are probably not healthy for you, you know, in various ways and just detoxing from a lot of that stuff. Plus the food that they're, 
you know, they're feeding to your mind uh, is, is not good. And then, you know, it, the heart as well, you know, I, like the, you know, one of the things that it, it strikes me down here a lot of times is, is the kindness, you know, it's, it's almost the opposite of like the modern world when it comes to how people behave, you know, because if someone if I've witnessed this myself, like uh, in a very weird situation, but we were, uh, they had, they had imposed, this is early in my uh, time down here, but they had done a martial law kind of uh, imposition here. The, there was a, you know, a drug war was going on down here and there shootings and stuff like that. Uh, and so they had imposed them, uh, you know, a curfew. And so we were out after the curfew going across town and uh, we're coming up the mountain, a little mountain road. There was a guy on a scooter coming the other way, and he lost control and crashed in the in the middle of the road. And every single car pulled over and ran over to the guy, picked him up, picked up his stuff, you know, brushed him off, put his motorcycle back together, put all his stuff back on, you know, back in his uh, box and everything like that. And you know, this is in a this is in a supposedly in a time where like everybody could be you know in trouble if they were out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, they didn't care. They just, just took care of the person. And I, man, every year I get so many stories of people that come down here for the first time and they do something, you know, kind of goofy. They leave their wallet or they leave, you know, something important somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the, the people, you know, tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, you left this on the table, you know, or you, I, I had a couple of situations where like the ATM, the machines here, they have two different types one shoots your card out first and then your money and the other one shoots your money out and then your card. <laughs> and so I had gone to this one where it, I thought it shot the money out and then the card and it shot the card out. And I was like, Oh man. And I walked away and it shot the money out then, you know? Uh-huh. And so the, the, we're talking like $500, which is probably like two months of pay for most people here. The, the person behind me, they grabbed the money and they chased, chased me down and, and they gave me the money. You know, the entire, all the money. <clears throat> and and okay. so then I, I offered them, you know, like 500 pesos, man. I was like, Jesus, man, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. And then, no, no, that's all right. You know? oh, that's and then, fantastic. And that's been repeated dozens of times by other people here where they've left their wallet or they've done similar things like that. Mm-hmm. And every single time, whoever is there, you know, does the good deed. Wow. It, it seems to me that that, that kind of attitude and that kind of behavior and outlook is correlated with their lack of dependence on the government. Because one thing that we talk about, because we're of course in, in for the charity is that when there's the government system, people can always think, Oh, someone else is going to take care of that. Yeah. I, I pay my taxes. That's what such and such a government agency is for. It's not my problem. But if you have that attitude of, I need to take care of things, then I also need to help other people and then other people can help me and ties back into that community that you were talking about. Right. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's that all that, that thing about the grapevine too, is because like, you don't necessarily know who you're dealing with. Sometimes, you know, the guy that you're dealing with on the street might be the brother-in-law of the, you know, the head of the, the cartel or something like that. And so you, you've got to kind of keep in mind that you know like anybody could know anybody and so you got to just treat everybody respectfully 
and lo and behold that turns out to be a pretty good place to be you know nice a golden rule type of thing yeah nice now mike i have one more question so i asked i asked my wife so what what do you want to know about this agarapulco stuff and the first thing she said was is it family friendly i i would say yes I, I, you know, I mean, nice. whenever you get a lot of anarchists together or vol- volunteers together, there's a, there's a wide range of interest, I, I would say, you know, so you got to keep that in mind. But that's one of the things about Acapulco that uh, is really very interesting is, is there's like enough space for everybody. And there's, there's all kinds of family friendly things to do here. You know, it's not like everybody's just, uh, you know, pounding beers and drinking shots of tequila or whatever you know the uh there's you know there's an opportunity for everybody and i don't know what anarchapoco has in store for the, the kids this year usually we uh we kind of partner up with a local orphanage and uh, they have anywhere from 60 to 80 kids usually um that uh you know we kind of entertain for a day and they come in and do like robotics or computer stuff or you know and wow we've we've definitely established a relationship where you know now we've pretty much got an ongoing relationship we we built a uh earth earth home uh no uh you know one of those uh uh kind of maintainable houses that like doesn't have any uh kind of can't think of the name of the thing but in any case we did that as a project but it was it was to benefit the the orphanage. And so then the kids have like watched as the progress has gone on for the past year in building that place. And of course you got solar power and you got all, all these different things like gravity fed water system, plants, you know, cause you can grow your own plant or grow your own food within the house and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So the, uh, you know, the kids have been exposed to that. So then they've also had this opportunity to kind of learn English too. And so we've, incorporated that into it as well and i can just uh, you know that's that's probably one of the funnest things to do is to go to the orphanage and and certainly like as if you had a family you know bring your kids i'm sure they're going to be uh really blown away by that experience because like we a couple years ago we had a circumstance where we we brought in everybody and they they talked about their profession in front of all the kids and we had we had race car drivers, we had airline pilots, we had you know we had a whole bunch of different things. And like every time they you know they'd explain to the kids, this is what this guy is, you know. And then they'd be like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> and then they'd be drawing pictures of stuff. And ah, uh, <clears throat> sounds great. And, and that their orphanage is right on the beach, so it's it's a great place. Uh, wow. you know, in that regard as well, because you can go to the beach and. Mm. Uh, you know, have all that fun that that entails as well. That is nice. Do many people bring their own kids when they come to Agropoco? Well, uh, Agropoco has only been really, like this is num- year number two. And uh, we actually na- had a different name the, the, the year before that. Uh, so it's really <laughs> kind of like the third year to some degree. Uh, it's been one in, in, in which, you know, we're, we're really like all inclusive. I don't, I don't know if you, you, are you familiar with John Taylor Gatto? Yes. And his, yes. his books, mm-hmm. there's a particular book of his where he talks about, or it's uh, Alexis de Tocqueville's uh, uh, representation of the United States from, I don't know when he, when was the year 1835 or something like that. Yeah. And he said, 
you know, America, they, in America, they've, they've completely eliminated adolescence <laughs> is, is the, 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 uh, you know, the quote that, uh, John Taylor Gatto puts out in his book. And I think that might be the underground history of American education, if I'm not mistaken, but in any case, you know, I think that's kind of the way we want to treat the children, or at least that's the way I, I would think they would want to be treated is, is just like other adults. You know, we, we try and, and give them that opportunity where if they want to go and play, go for it. But if you want to like, listen to cool stuff, or you think there's something interesting, you can participate in that too. Yeah. Treat them as, as real people instead of some kind of weird, almost pet type status. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, they are the future, man. We got to treat them respectfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like sounds like an archipelago and agropoco and the res- r- respirar agropoco sound like really really interesting and fun and important events so i'm really excited it sounds like it's going to be great i'll just i'll just add here because i just had a conversation yesterday i was talking to a cherokee indian yesterday mm-hmm. from the Na- uh, cherokee nation and we're talking about kind of incorporating like a, a peace council, a council for peace and common sense. And uh, we're going to bring in a couple other people. One is uh, from the kingdom of Shambhala, essentially a t- Tibetan Buddhist sect. Uh, and they, they, it's amazing how much in common they have, you know, their, their ideas as far as their, their uh, society is one in which they'll welcome anybody you know, as long as they, as long as you kind of respect the, the rules. And so for the Cherokee, it's kind of the, the principled people is, is the way they like, their, you know, what their society is about. And for the Shambhala, it's uh, the enlightened society, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, I, we're certainly trying to pursue that idea of a discussion about what is the contract that we could agree to amongst ourselves in regard to like an alternative society or a parallel society to this one that actually has a, you know, a, a real sovereign nature to it. It is recognized by the, you know, the, the supposed governments, you know, that have uh, diced all this stuff up into their particular jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Um, Shambhala is one, the kingdom of Shambhala is one, it's a, it's a borderless kingdom. And so the idea of jurisdiction in that kind of a circumstance is something that people should really think about because there is that opportunity, I think, in an enlightened society where you can make a choice of which jurisdiction you want to put yourself under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of, of Hoppe and of his writings about, how does he put it, not, not like not a private government, but you know what I mean, where people can choose which system of of law they fall under, which jurisdiction, as you yes. put it. Really, it struck me as as you were talking that the Cherokee and the Shambhala being from completely different cultures, opposite sides of the world, but still having this these same basic ideas. Mm-hmm. To me, it kind of points to how these ideas underlying agorism and voluntarism aren't just crazy things that someone came up with but they're getting closer and closer to the natural laws of human existence, yes. like the law of gravity and all those physical laws. Mm-hmm. Human nature and its interactions have the same kind of laws. And it seems like 
the Agarapulco and Arcapulco might be a great place to keep trying to get closer to those. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And you know, to all your listeners out there and certainly yourself as well and your family. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we definitely are putting out the welcome mat oh. for, for open-minded, freedom-minded, liberty-minded people uh, mm. you know, that want community. That's what we're after. Fantastic. Now, if, if someone who's listening has the means, is it too late to make it this year? Because it's happening in February, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Respirar Acapulco and Agorapulco is usually kind of the weeks before and after. Uh, but uh, Anarchapulco is the uh, 14th through the 18th of February. And uh, uh, Respirar is the 12th and the 13th. You know, being that we're uh, kind of in this situation this year where, you know, people are like, there's a lot of big questions out there as far as, you know, what to do next. Uh, This is going to be one in which we're going to kind of, we're going to extend Agora Poco from now until the next one in, you know, 2023 with the idea that, you know, whatever we do this year, we're just going to plan for what we're going to do next year. And then the whole time is just going to be different things that we can do to add up to a bigger, cooler, awesomer event, you know, and in a a lot of cases we do have that, uh, you know, the laboratory to experiment. And so, you know, there's a lot of different uh, projects out there that I'm definitely uh, courting to have an example in Acapulco so that people, when they come down, they can see how these projects can work. You know, we've got, we got something called BCTC. We've got uh, something called uh, Wellness Empowered, which is kind of a, a health uh, consolidator kind of thing where you can get a, access to a lot of different kind of health services and so forth. Uh, and, and there's, uh, we've got a, a retreat center and kind of a, a you know, a sanctuary where people can go when they're just, you know, too stressed out from the world and take a couple of weeks off and get back to nature and just kind of uh, relax in your inner child kind of realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of those kind of things that are, that are coming to Acapulco and, and, and we're uh, recruiting those kind of people to be here, you know, and certainly a lot of the new industries, crypto and that kind of thing as well. We certainly got a lot of those people down here already, but uh, it is, you know, there's, there's just a a bunch of opportunities and and things just just starting to bud. Fantastic. So it sounds like this year would be great to go, but also building up to next year is going to be even better. Yeah. So, all right. So we're going to put links down in the description so that all you people listening, you can find out more about Agarapulco and Anarchapulco and Respirar Agarapulco. Love those rolling R's. Yes. I got I to prepare myself for a moment first, but I can do it. <laughs> so Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been great talking with you. Any... Thank you, Jeff. I, I, I really appreciate all the things that you do. And I definitely want to encourage you to continue to do the things that you do because you are making a difference. I, I did listen to a couple of your podcasts, you know, prior to this interview. And I got to say, you're doing a great job. And oh. uh, I'm, I'm loving the content you're putting out. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The more people listen, hopefully the more people will be a part of our charity efforts or at least be inspired to help someone else on their own. So. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. You have a great day. Talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. Now I can stop the.
Thank you so much for watching this video. If you like what we do here, please like, share, subscribe, comment, and go over to our website where you can offer donations, request help, help us help people who are in need voluntarily. And we'll see you next time.